0: Praise God! If you have your Bibles, let's look at um, Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, and if you know the uh, New Testament, you would know about um, Paul's prayers. Ephesians one, Ephesians three, Philippians one, other you know, Colossians, other different parts of the Bible. Paul has prayers that he prayed for the church, prayed for other believers. And they're great prayers for us to pray. To pray. Just uh, plug your name in there or family member or some other person in there. It would be, you know, uh, a good foundation for your prayer life. And so I want to read uh, part of one of his prayers from Ephesians 1, starting in verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you, so this is one of the things we could pray for, for people, may grant to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into the mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. God wants us to know about him. He wants us to know about his ways. He wants us to, to understand how he does things. He doesn't want things to be a, a mystery to us. He wants us to know. So he's praying, uh, uh, a grant, a spirit of wisdom, revelation. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, and that's what, that's what the revelation is, it's light coming. We have dark areas of our, our, our minds and understanding, and his revelation is light. So that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. If you're if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, anytime you see the word saint, he's talking about you. It's not just a special person and that they have a statue of someplace. We are all saints, those that are believers. We are, we are the saints. Verse 19. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. Um, God's power uh, is not just in heaven. It's just not uh, on his throne. God's power is available to believers. His power is available to work in us, to bring about change, to bring about his will and his plans, but also his power can work through us in in situations in in our lives. And so this is a um, great prayer to be praying, I think especially today. Um, Just because you have uh, smarts in the world, maybe math or science or finance, um, history, whatever, doesn't make you um, intelligent in God's world. It's a different kind of um, knowledge talking about the world's knowledge, Uh, what we're talking about here is spiritual understanding. Um, You may not know all about math, but you can have spiritual understanding, and really that's the more important understanding and knowledge to have, how spiritual things work. And God wants you to know. He wants you to know, and he wants you to be able to live in this world successfully. And I'll read about that here in a minute. I'll go back and read in Genesis, you know, his original plan for man. But I just want to encourage you today in the things that you're praying is to be praying for your your, your family, to be praying for your household, praying for your kids, praying for people in, in your realm of authority. I'm praying this for, for you guys here at Good News Church, but that, you, that you're, you will have spiritual understanding, that revelation is coming in your hearts, and not just having understanding, but then you'll act upon it, because that's where the power is. Um, there, there, there's 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 two uh, problems I think we have in the church today. First of all, the believers do not know the the power that's available, or if they do know, they're not acting upon it. So those are two things that we're we're dealing with. You. To, uh, and I, first of all, I want you to know. But then I want you to act upon it because that's, that's where the power is, is in the action. Okay? So we're talking about authority today. And let's go back to Genesis um, chapter one and see what God's intent is for, for his creation. Um, in Genesis uh, 1 through 3, he's talking about the creation of the world. And uh, you know, many I, I'm sure everybody's familiar with that, the creation story. But let's look at part of it in Genesis 1, verse 27. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. God's plan for you is to be fruitful and to multiply. Not to decrease, not to go backwards, not to be under the barrel. Not to be barely making it. His desire and plan for you, it's his will, for you to, be, to fr- be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now look at this. Have dominion. Be fruitful, be multiply. And the way we'll do that is have dominion. That word dominion means to rule and to reign. Everybody say rule and reign. That's us talking about Authority. have dominion to, uh, or to rule in the reign over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now let's move on to down to Genesis 2, verse 15. Then, you know, uh, after the creation, God gave man an assignment. Let's look at verse 15. Genesis 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So let's just look at things here. So he's talking about uh, multiplication, fruitfulness, and then he, he, he has this garden that's all set up for man. Then he says, I want you to tend and to keep it. So he's giving him an assignment. Is, is God going to tend and keep the garden? Who's going to keep it? Man is. So he's giving man an assignment. Now God is there. Uh, you you, know, you read the other part. I mean, he's coming into the garden. He's there. Uh, he's being a father. He's being a coach. He's being a mentor. He's certainly doing teaching and training. But it's for man to exercise the authority over the garden intended to keep it. And he's, and God may even have a vision of how he wants it done. He has certain rules. But man is the one that is to do it. And, and, and we just need to keep that in mind because today I think so many times we think, well, we're just kind of here. God's just going to do what he wants to do. And we'll just kind of sit back and wait for him to do it. That, 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 Doesn't match with the Bible. It doesn't match with what he intended to do in creation. He had an assignment, and he's certainly there to help. He's bringing the the power, but he's given man the authority. Now, um, I'll just go ahead and jump into it uh, right now. Talking about authority. What is authority? What is authority? Uh, You know, we we can think about the policeman you know, that's uh, directing traffic, you know, and you have a lot of different things uh, happening and the policeman steps in there in front of the two-ton vehicle and he puts his hand up and what should happen? They stop. Why, why do they stop? Because of his authority. Is that truck or whatever it is more powerful than that person standing there? It's got, uh, in the, the natural, just in that situation, it's got more power, but, the, but the, the truck stops because of the authority. Authority is delegated power. He's got the badge that says, hey, and what does that badge represent? It represents that, that, that city. It represents the police force. So he's got the authority. He's been given the authority to stop that truck. And it will stop. And so, and then, because that truck, hopefully, unless they're rogue, uh, hopefully, I mean, they understand it's not just that man, it's who's backing that man. And because of who's backing that man, I'm going to stop. So, what authority is authority is delegated power, delegated power and and in the garden God gave man authority and he was going to back up that man's authority he wasn't going to do it for him he was going to instruct him he was going to teach him he was going to train him and man was to walk in that authority okay um, but we know what uh, what happened unfortunately I just I, I just wish the story would be different you know but we know that um, Satan uh, tempted man. We know that man did eat the the fruit of the tree. broke broke the rules, and because of that, there was consequences. He was put out of the garden. But what what really? And, and he said, "Surely you will die." I mean, he didn't die physically. He he died spiritually in his relationship with God. But but what happened? is there was a transfer of authority um, from God to the enemy. A man bowed his knee in submission to the enemy and now was under his authority. And that's the, really the, one of the big things that's, that's happening in the garden. And how do I know there was some kind of transfer? Because Satan goes from a serpent trying to tempt man to what it says over in um, 2 Corinthians 4. Let's read that. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But even if our gospel, the glad tidings, also be hidden, obscured, and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God, it is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured, only to those who are spiritually dying, and veiled only to those who are lost for the God of this world. Now, now, little g. For the God of this world. So some kind of transference of power took place in the garden where he goes from, uh, Satan goes from a serpent to the God of this world. And, some, and now he's got power. He's got some form of power. For well, the God of this world has blinded the unbeliever's mind, meaning he's got influence uh, to, to blind people. And we can read, we'll read further about other things that he's got power to do. The God of this world has blinded the unbeliever's mind that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. And we know that this, um, again, he's got some kind of power because he tempted Jesus in Matthew 4. Now I want to read that. Matthew 4, verse 8. Uh, you, you remember uh, Jesus uh, was in the wilderness. He was fasting and, and uh, praying. Then he was tempted by the, he came out of the wilderness and was tempted by, by the devil. And there was three different temptations. And I want to read one of them. Matthew four verse eight says, "Again, the devil took him up on, on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory, and he said to them, "All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me." Then Jesus said to him, "Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and to him only you shall serve." Was it a temptation? Was it a temptation? Yes, it was. There was three different temptations uh, to Jesus, so Satan has some kind of power. He's tempting Jesus with the, with kingdoms in this world, and then Jesus did what we should do, rebuked him, told him to to you know uh, take a hike. So so he is so Satan is the the he. The, And I I talked about it, I believe, even last week. There there are two different kingdoms operating in the earth today. There's the kingdom of the enemy, where Satan is Lord. And there's the kingdom of God, where Jesus is Lord. Now, God's kingdom is greater than the enemy's kingdom. But just like we were reading here, if you don't know it, if you don't understand it, you can, even as a believer be under the sway and the influence of the enemy's kingdom. Now, we don't want that to be that way. Certainly, we know that if you're lost, who's the influence? You're under the influence of the enemy. But if you're over in God's kingdom, he's got principles, he's got a way of living that uh, is higher and uh, generates more power than the enemy's kingdom. Um, and that that's important for us to know. That's important for you to know. And what we want for you here at Good News Church is we want you to be walking in the kingdom of God. Because that's where blessing is. That's, that's where good things are. That's where what God's will and God's plan is. Now, John 10.10 10 will show us and differentiate the God's kingdom versus the enemy's kingdom. John 10:10. 10, 10. It says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Who's the thief? This is his mission. This is his plan. This is what's happening in his kingdom. Killing, stealing, and destroying. That's not God's plan. That's not in God's kingdom. People get, people get that mixed up. Now let's look at what Jesus says. He said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Amplified says, a life overflowing with good things. That's his plan in his kingdom. So let me just ask you this question. Which, <laughs> which kingdom do you want to operate in? Do you want to to, to live life and, and live it more abundantly? Or do you want to live over in the kingdom of killing, stealing, and destroying? Who, who wants the killing, stealing, and destroying? So we 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 choose. And in fact, we're actually choosing every day. Now remember, there's two parts of this. You have to know about your Position. You have to know who you are in Christ. You have to know what you have. That's the first part. God wants that, that revelation, knowledge, and insight. But then you have to do it, you have to act upon it. It's not, and that is the, the tricky part for the believers because I think we give ourselves credit for acting upon something because we know it. But the power is in the doing, and that 's why when we 're talking about the, the training on Wednesday nights that we 're doing, we 're talking about disciple making movements, one of the key parts of that is obedience to the scripture that 's where the power is. And so in your study every time, or, or when you're actually like listening to this message or any message you know when you 're driving in your car, always be thinking about what can I apply? What can I do with what i 'm hearing? here even it's one nugget you know just one nugget of obedience is going to be it has so much more power than just you know having a whole book of the bible memorized i mean that's great to have it all memorized but if it doesn't bring action it's what do you have in in obedience is the power in obedience is where the power of god can be manifested so I want you in uh, God's kingdom, uh, in in uh, what he calls the abundant life. The whole, and, it's, and let me read in 1 John 3 now. I want to read the second part of uh, 1 John 3, verse 8. Why Jesus came. The reason the Son of God was made manifest and made visible was to undo destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. What the devil began in the garden, Jesus came to undo it. Jesus came to destroy it. Jesus came to loosen it. He came to dissolve dissolve it. And if you look at Jesus and the way he conducted himself, he had complete mastery over the devil. He had mastery over the devil. He healed the sick. He cast out devils. Raised the dead. How about in the area of provision? He had mastery over the devil. Remember when they, 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 they tried to, to push him off the cliff? What happened? He walked right through the midst of them. Now Jesus was the Son of God, but He was the Son of Man. He operated all that He did. He operated according to the Word of God, the same Word that we, you know, operate under. Same, you know, covenant. Jesus came. Jesus came to show us what God is like, and also um, Jesus came to show us what the, the power and authority that a man under submission to God could walk in. He's our example. He's our master. He's our example. And then just like God was the coach to to Adam in the garden, we now have a coach living on the inside of us called the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will empower you to walk in the kingdom. He'll empower you to... to walk in your authority as a believer, he'll empower you to walk in your authority in the victory that he already won over the devil. The killing, stealing, and destroying, you, through Christ, have got power over that. He can't just come into your home and do whatever he wants. He just can't come into your business, into your life, and just wreak havoc. The only way he can do that is if we let him. That's why we, and I, I just feel like we're just kind of in a, a, kind of a critical time right now. I feel like there's a lot of things happening in the, wor- the, the earth right now. And I think the enemy is not happy about it because a, God is doing a work in the nations. And we're talking about God doing a work here in Augusta, and he is not pleased about that. And then we're talking about training people to go out into the world and take back portions of this city and area for the kingdom of God, he's, he's going he's gonna to put up a fight. He's not happy about it. And so what does he do? He, 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 he's going to attack. He's going to come at you. He's going to come at your mind. He's going to come at your body. He's going to come at your finances. He's going to come at your kids. He's going to come at your family. And if he can't get you, he's going to come at your dog and and i was just talking to someone the other day and they were just saying you know the devil is mean he is mean and he doesn't play fair he doesn't play fair and he's sneaky and he's conniving and he you know he just may you know may not walk into your house wearing this big red cape and horns and a pitchfork It may not be so obvious. And he may just try to hit you when you're, when you're weary or when you're weak. Isn't that what you, if in the natural, if, if in, in, in a military situation, don't you want to hit them in their weak areas? He's looking for weakness. He's looking for an opening. It, uh, uh, it says in the Bible that, that Satan, he, he, he moved back until an opportune time. And I just think that we, if we're going to be moving forward here as a church in the things of God here, we've got to be aware of his devices and be aware that he's going to put up a little fight here. So we need to understand who we are, what we have, and what we can do. And so we have to have understanding. I'm, I know a lot of these things I've been sharing today, you have complete, you, you've heard this many times. But what are you doing with it? That's the thing for, for those that know already. What, what are you doing with it? Are you exercising it? Are, and the way you exercise authority is with your, with your mouth, with your words. Is your mouth full of God's word? Are you speaking k- killing, stealing, and destroying? Or are you speaking the abundant life that we have in Christ? Well, pastor, I tried that and it didn't change. Well, come on, you've got to do it more than just a few minutes. And then just because you spoke it and you don't see anything right away, it doesn't mean your words aren't working. That's what faith is. Faith is believing in the unseen. That's where you have to have believing. What, the, what does the word say? What does God say about the situation? If that's what you want, You want to know what he says about the situation. Take what he says. Put those same words on your lips and begin to confess them and speak them. And the same results that Jesus got, you can have the same results. Now, um, has, has anybody been experiencing any kind of pressure this year? Raise your hand. Have you have you correlated the pressure at all with the enemy? What's been your response, Jesus? Because Jesus defeated the enemy 2,000 years ago. One of my favorite verses, in my top 100 favorite verses, Colossians 2, verse 13, and I love it in the message translation. When we were stuck in your old sin dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it all sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. The old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Jesus won a victory 2,000 years ago. The devil was defeated 2,000 years ago. What we're doing now is enforcing the victory that we already have, that he won for us. Back in the, you know, I'm a student of history and I've read about Rome. and They actually did that to their, uh, the people that they conquered. They would parade, you know, the king and their top leaders, many of them with their eyes poked out and other tongue cut off and a lot of other things. But they would parade them naked through the street. How humiliating. Was that to do that? But that's his ultimate victory. Conquered. They're not coming back. That's the same thing they're talking. That's that's in a language they understand back during that time. That's how defeated the enemy is. Now does he have power? Well, he the the Bible says he, he comes at us as a roaring lion. And and that roar. Scares a lot of people, but what we don't realize is he's a toothless lion, and 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 he's going to try to gum you to death. (laughs) But the roar has many people scared, and when you get in fear, that opens the door to his plans. He works through fear. God works through faith. Fear is faith in the lies of the enemy. Faith is believing in the promises of God. So we, we need to know what the book says. We need to know what his will is. But then we, we need to act upon it. We need to put those words in, in, in our mouth. All right. Now, let's talk about then when did this transfer of authority from God to man happen? Well, a part of it we could read in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, which we've been sharing a lot about as far as making disciples and being obedient to the scriptures. But look at what it says in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me. All authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So the authority in heaven, the authority on earth has been given to Jesus. Well, then verse 19, now the transference has now taken place to the body. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there was a transfer of authority. Authority that Jesus was given has now been transferred to man. It says in the scriptures, we are seated with him in heavenly places. What does that mean? We're seated with him in heavenly places, blessed with all spiritual blessings. What does that mean? And we know that God is sitting on a throne, and we know that Jesus is at his right hand. And we're seated with him, with Christ, in heavenly places. Now, is Jesus sitting in a love seat? room enough for us to sit by him? Or are we sitting in Jesus' lap? How how does this work? Well, we are in him, correct. We are in him, but the, the scriptures talk about him being the head and we are the body. He is the head and we are the body. Now, My head is not over at the restaurant eating right now. You know, um, my hand is over at the mall buying something. My foot is, you know, sleeping in today. My head is over at the restaurant. My torso is here preaching to you. Is that how it works? No, uh, the body carries the head around. Now, the head has some important functions, but... I mean, we got the hands, we got the feet, we got the legs. So we can be seated in heavenly places because he's the head and we are the body. Now, what does the work? The body. The head has plans. The head has uh, uh, visions, the, the dreams, all these different things. But the body carries it out. And that's I think the thing that people don't realize is is we're we're waiting on God to do all these things in the earth. But He can't do them. Or He set it up where He can't. If He could just change it, don't you think He would change it? Yeah, you know, don't you think in the hospital over here He wants everybody healed? He wants everybody saved, everybody healed everyone provided for but but why is it not happening it's certainly his will because he has set it up where he can't do something unless man or his body will do something about it there there's no instance in the new testament where we pray anybody prays to god to do something about the devil study i mean i've read it the whole New Testament many times and other books hundreds of times. There's no instance in there where they're praying to God to deal with the devil because God has given us authority. Jesus has already defeated the devil and now has given us the authority and he's, he's backed us up with his power, his resurrection power to walk, walk it out. And so if you want something, if there's killing, stealing, and destroying, or any other earmarks of the devil happening in your world, then you need to use your God-given authority through your words. I mean, how does a king rule? By his words. Sits there and says, hey, do this, do that. Why? Because it's the power. There's power in those words. They obey his words, and if they don't, there's consequences. Remember back in in Genesis 1, I read the word about dominion. Dominion means to rule and reign. I'm getting ahead here in my series, but in Romans 5, it says that we rule and reign as kings in this life. talking about the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. There's power in that name when we put it on our lips. And in many situations, we don't have to do praying, we need to do commanding. There's no prayer involved when you're dealing with the devil. You don't have to pray to God. You command in the name of Jesus. And you tell him what to do. And he has got to obey just like the truck. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Let's look at, uh, we're wrapping it up here. Not getting into everything on this. We're going to continue with this. But Luke 10 Luke 10, verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Praise God. Let's stand, everybody. Hallelujah. I hope our eyes are opening up here. I want you to know about authority. I want you to walk in it. I want you to act upon it. And too many people today are being silent. Too many people, Satan's quiet in them. Too many people, I mean, they may have walked in at one time. They're, they're not exercising their authority. And we're not talking about, you know, exercising our authority over people. We're talking about the uh, principalities and powers and those that work for the devil. It's uh, the unseen forces. And what are they doing? They're influencing situations. They're influencing people. So we're not, we're not ex- exercising authority over a person. God didn't give us that kind of dominion. It's, it's the unseen forces that we're dealing with. His, Satan's um, forces. And they must bow. They must bow. They have to. And so don't be moved by, if you don't see something happen just like that, it may happen that way, I hope it does. But don't you be moved by that. You continue to confess and speak the word and don't come out, don't, you know, we, we can't be speaking blessing and cursing at the same time. You can, as, as easily as you put those words out there, you can bring it back. Don't do that. Hallelujah. Let's kind of, so we're going to do a little practice today. Can we practice together today? Very, very uh, uh, simple. Um, but say this with me: Say in the, name of Jesus. in the name of Jesus. Satan, take your hands off me. Satan, take your hands off me. Satan, take your hands off my mind. Satan, take your hands off my mind. Satan, take your hands off my, Satan, hands off my body. Satan, take your hands off my body. Satan, take your hands off my finances. In the, In the name of Jesus, Satan, take your hands off my marriage. Satan, take your hands off my marriage. Satan, take your hands off my family. Satan, take your hands off my kids. And then, and, and so, and what I've learned to do. So we're telling the devil where to go, right? We're telling him where to to go. Then, Then I just turn around and then I call in what I want from the word. One of the things I like to say, angels minister to those that are heirs of salvation. I mean, Grayson was quoting a whole lot of scriptures. You didn't know it, but during the offering. Call in what the word says. Tell the enemy to go, especially when you're seeing God doesn't work through confusion. Okay, here we go. God does not work through confusion or strife or hate or division, He doesn't operate that way. Those are earmarks. Those are like, hey, the enemy's working here. That's when we use our authority. But then, what do you want? Well, I want peace. I want harmony. That's one of the the biggest things I speak about this church. Harmony and unity. I want love. I want joy. We talked about joy last week because I know that's where our strength is. So let's just take a moment and uh, why don't you call in some things that's on your heart for your family. And if you don't have anything you wanna call in for for you, call in for your neighbor. I'll call in some things for a good new church. How about that?